Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Welcome to Melt Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck, and this is just me by myself. This is a AMA slash radio episode. I'm going to play a few songs, answer a bunch of your questions. And uh, yeah, hey, I'm back, by the way. Uh, the last couple things that we have put out have been Clint kind of on his own. I was on vacation for my wife's birthday down in Florida. And uh, I don't know why I called it that. It was weird. Uh, Florida. Excuse me. Uh, uh, but anyways, uh, I probably should have been on the Mick Wall thing, but unfortunately, uh, because of the timing and, and vacations and stuff, and he had to reschedule the date, Clint ended up doing two things by himself, technically three, because we got a part two uh, with Tom Quee also out today. Uh, this one came out a little bit later, but I'm excited to do this to get back into the swing of things, and next week we will be back with a episode with the two of us. Fret not, fear not, everybody. Things are going to be back to normal, I promise. Hope everyone's staying safe out there, enjoying the holiday season, not getting too worked up about politics stuff and blah, blah, blah. We're listening to Metallica. We're having a good time, getting our minds off reality for a little minute. I hope you guys are doing that. And uh, yeah, I'm doing it. Um, you know, it's important to stay connected, stay informed, stay safe at the same time. You know what? Take a break. Take a mental break. I made a post about this a while back. It's very important to uh, take care of yourself, take care of your head, your brain. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, listen to some music, play an instrument, throw some headphones on, especially, um, it's good for yourself. Okay. Especially in these weird trying times, this has been a super messed up year. We all know this is no secret and it's almost over the year. That is who knows if the messed up stuff's still going to happen. It probably is, but let's just move forward. Let's have, love each other and enjoy this. I'm rambling and rambling a little too long. So let's get into some fun stuff. <laughs> I'm going to go through, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter where I threw out earlier this morning, as in yesterday, as you're listening to this, on Sunday, um, to ask me some questions, whatever you want. Uh, we got a bunch of Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm going to go through all of those. I'm not leaving out one. And if you submitted it after 5 p.m. on Sunday, I'm sorry, you will get skipped. Um, it's about just after 5 o'clock Central Time here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm going to go through them. I'm going to play a couple songs that kind of actually tie into some of these questions. Uh, so there's that's where the radio part of the episode comes into play. And uh, yeah, not a ton of songs, but uh, just a few here and there I think you guys might dig. So I say, hey, let's jump right in, right? All right. To Instagram. Here we go. We're starting with Michael Salazar. He says, hey, Ethan, Michael Salazar here. Just want to let you know that Let It Burn has really helped me out lately through some of the tough times. Wow. Um, I really feel the emotion in the music, the lyrics, and your voice. So thank you. You're welcome. Wow. That's amazing. So my question is, have you seen Torben on his carpet lately? (laughs) 
If so, please give him my best. Adios. Uh, you know, I haven't seen Torben in a couple of weeks, unfortunately. But, um, you know, a lot of times he really only shows up and me and Clint are together. Um, every once in a while he's shown up in my backyard, just hovering, just checking on me and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, we just had Thanksgiving where, uh, you know, Christmas is next. I'm sure he's hovering around the Bay Area with Lars and family. But who knows? He may show up in the near future. But, man, that's really cool that my record uh, has gotten you through some some hard times, man. Well, uh, man, you know, it, it is it is cool to hear that. Sometimes it's kind of weird. You know, I, I don't ever think about writing songs, um, you know, with the purpose of it helping anybody. But that's, that's you know, with what me and Clint do, that's kind of a bonus. You know what I mean? Um I write those things from my heart. Um, I don't really write BS songs. Uh, you know, I write with uh, about what I'm going through. Um, and a lot of times, you know, my music is a lot about anxiety and depression. And, and, and that's just not that I'm, I deal with that every day anymore. I used to a lot. It was really gnarly. But um, it's still, you know, fresh in my mind. And, and I still uh, am affected by it. And so a lot of my music is about that, you know. But there is a positive spin on a lot of stuff and a lot of hope and things like that. So, Michael, that's amazing. If you're, uh, if it helped you out, man, that that's amazing. You know, that's uh, like I said a second ago. That is that is only a perk of of, of writing songs. You know, um, it's amazing when I hear stuff like that. It really means a lot to me, and uh, it's very humbling. I appreciate it. Uh, Johannes writes. Uh, this is all Instagram, by the way. Starting with that first. I should have said that before. Maybe I did. I don't remember. It's been a long day. Uh, which do you like more? Uh, modern live shows focused on screens, floating cubes, and drones like Metallica shows. Or more old school sets like Iron Maidens. Um, I don't have a preference to be honest. You know, I think the 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 big production shows like Metallica's, like on the World Wired tour, um, those are amazing. Of course, you know the the time and effort it takes to go into setting them up, to designing all of it, uh, the video content, everything. All the crew guys that work so hard to set that up, it's incredible. It's such a cool thing. Um, but I equally like how Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden keeps it pretty old school. I like that they still have like a dude behind the drum riser, like running across, you know, switching to the next backdrop because they essentially have a backdrop for every single song. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. And just like uh, not a lot of crazy special effects, but they've always relied on like the theatrics more than um, modern production. You know, the big Eddie that comes out behind Nico or you know, the tall Eddie that comes out on stage and sword fights with Bruce or something like that. All that stuff's cool. You know, like I, at the end of the day, I just want to see a band get up there and kick some ass, whether it's a metal band or whether it's someone just on an acoustic guitar, you know I mean? Or, uh, you know, two like my, for instance, my friends in town have this, this, uh, duo called the daily fair. And those girls are amazing and they'll play the most tender hearted, sweet songs. And I still walk away going, they kicked ass. Um, the performance is, is where it's at for me, you know, um, whether that's a huge production show like the World Wired tour, or it's like a maiden show, or it's like a local club show here in town at, uh, the exit Inn or something, uh, give me a good performance and I'm in, I don't care how many lights are on them. I don't, how, I don't care how many tricks are up their sleeves. I just want a good show. That's all. Thanks for that question. That's a great question, by the way. Next one is, uh, Josh, uh, Tidarenko, I think it's pronounced. Favorite Metallica song that you have heard live? Wow. Um, well, see, I've seen Metallica five times. I know most of you are like, wow, you amateur. Jeez, you're not a true. I've seen them 873 times. Um, man, that's a little tough. You know, I, 
uh, I'm sure the more you see them, maybe the more you're narrowed down to what your favorite song is live. But I'll have to say, based off of the World Wired tour, honestly, one of my favorite songs live was Atlas Rise. Um, probably because it was so fresh in my mind because it was still a fairly new record in comparison to Puppets or Lightning or something. And, uh, you know, when the chorus hit, hits and, and James yells Atlas Rise and gets off the mic and the whole crowd sings it, that was all very new. You know, everyone's heard the die chant on Creeping Death for, for decades at this point. So that was really exciting for me to hear when I first saw them sing Atlas Rise um, up in, uh, I guess it was in Philadelphia the first time I saw that tour. And uh, yeah, so I'd have, to, I'd have to pick that one. Atlas Rise is my pick. So thanks, Josh. Uh, next one is from Bill. I can never say her last name. Uh, 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 Voronikos? Voronikos? Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Bill knows who Bill is. Uh, this is a good question. He says, where do, you see, uh, where do you see the future of the live touring industry after this pandemic? Do you think it will go back to the way it was pre-March 2020? Do you think ticket prices will be sky high? Uh, man, I'm not an expert on that stuff. I mean, I know I tour full-time normally. Um and of course my job has been hundred percent affected and shut down since really since March. Um, I don't think initially it'll go back to normal and this is all just my opinion. Um, I think there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period, you know, last I heard or a while back, I heard that, you know, you know, band, like when I work for bands like Kings of Leon, like we're not probably going to do something until 2022, but that's just the general assumption in the music industry for bands that size that are doing arenas and stadiums and amphitheaters, the bigger shows. I could see smaller shows coming back first, clubs and theaters, um, maybe more some more outdoor stuff like amphitheaters and some smaller festivals. But I th- I don't know. I think, uh, you know, and also the same, on, you know, in relation to that, I have heard that uh, countries like in Europe and stuff are kind of aiming for this coming summer of 2021 to maybe do festivals, but I don't know how they're going to approach it. If it's going to be more limited capacity spread out, I don't know. Um, I can tell you that I'm itching to get back on the road. I mean, this is the longest I've been out of work in pretty much my whole life. Um, you know, doing food delivery in Amazon isn't, isn't as fun as traveling the world. I got to be honest. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, as far as tickets being high, I mean, I could see if, there's a festival or uh, any kind of show, really, and it's limited capacity that, that maybe they would raise the ticket prices so that the artist is getting paid a little more fairly. Uh, doing stuff like drive-in shows, everything I've heard is that, you know, you're, it's not really like making much of a profit off of those. It's more just, you know, breaking even, paying your crew, paying the vendors, this and that. So I don't know, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of hanging in there until things somewhat pick back up. And of course, we all want it to go back to normal. I want to be, you know, crammed into a club and watching one of my favorite bands, or being on tour, working for a band, or playing in a band, and, and looking out at a packed club. That sounds amazing. I miss it dearly, <laughs> and I know Clint does too. Um, and I know all you guys do that, that love going to see live music. Um, who knows? You know, I mean, the, we, you know, this industry was the first industry to shut down. It'll be the last industry to come back. Um, can't overstate that enough. And if you have the means, please support your local venues because they're really struggling. You know, um, I can go out and get side jobs and, and go deliver food for drunk people in Nashville. And, uh, and that's all good. Um, but you know, live venues, you know, they might be doing some streaming stuff, but you know, they're not bringing in hardly anything. 
um, or check out check out the website Save Our Stages. They're doing a lot of stuff to help uh, save the local venues, and and hopefully they don't fully shut down throughout this. Some of them have already, unfortunately, and so it's a real bummer. And you know, all, you know, this whole podcast is basically started because we love live music, and you know, specifically Metallica, but. Yeah, everyone should go look into that. Save our stages. That's a really important thing going on right now. If you can donate or buy buy a T-shirt of your local venue or something like that. I know here in Nashville, uh, Exit Inn is my favorite venue in all of Nashville and has been forever. And uh, they've been a part of the Save Our Stages movement, and they're selling a bunch of cool merch on their website. So little things like that go a long way for venues that are really struggling to stay open. So anyways, Bill, thank you for the question. It kind of got me on a little bit of a tangent. But uh, all I can say is, man, I want to get back to – touring as much as you guys want to see live music i'd do it tomorrow if if it uh if it all went away uh thanks again though man next question on instagram is from dirty pots which is dan stewart he says how have your views on uh ccm which means the christian contemporary christian contemporary music i almost forgot (laughs) wow um the CCM world is essentially the Christian music industry. Uh, so how have reviews changed uh, since you're uh, starting your music career? Um, if you were starting all over again, but with your current views, would you pursue different bands slash opportunities? Um, I don't know. Well, I'll say this, you know, uh, my faith uh, is the same. Uh, that hasn't changed. Um, but, I like the way you put it, your views. My views on things are a lot different now that I'm 42 as opposed to being, you know, in my late teens and 20s when I first was touring in bands like the Dingies and the Supertones and kind of playing in that Christian music world. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's what I'll say this, what, what it has become, what it is now. I, I don't like, um, especially like there's a lot of these like modern worship movements like the hill songs and things like that i I don't know i just i see them you know at least this is pre-pandemic of course uh you know selling out arenas and have these massive productions and all that stuff and i don't know i just it to me like i don't really think that that uh Jesus would want that in, in a way, you know, that it's not like about this massive spectacle, you know, and a lot of the bands I was in, in that world, we, we weren't this big spectacle. We might've been popular and stuff, but we never had these, you know, these big things and, uh, production wise and stuff. But, but I think that was also different because, you know, we were, you know, a touring band writing original music and that was our job. And I think the problem I have with a lot of like modern Christian, especially like the worship movement stuff is that is, I don't know it to me. It's like, it's essentially more of a, uh, a church service in a way, like a traveling church service. And, uh, I don't know. I just don't think things like that should get too big. Um, same thing with actual churches. Like, you know, I grew up at a mega church and I ended up, you know, leaving it at a certain point just because I just, you know, a lot of great people there, a lot of great things went on there, a lot of, uh, great work in the communities and around the world and all that was great. But I just think that things get too big and that personal side of, of it gets lost a little bit. Um, I can tell you this in the CCM world, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bullshit, you know? Um, there's a, uh, always kind of this, this somewhat fake facade, you know, because a lot of these artists really want to, uh, present themselves as these leaders or, you know, not necessarily perfect people, but you know, you don't want people to know about, you know, 
all the crap going on in your life or, you know, or sometimes, you know, that you're not a good person and you're up there faking it to make the money or to, or to manipulate people. I don't know. That definitely exists in there. Uh, and I'm not trying to trash talk this whole industry by any means. I just think that, um, it's just kind of lost its way, you know, compared to like the world I grew up in and was a little different than necessarily the CCM world. It was more like the tooth and nail records world where it was kind of a bit of an, an alternative to like the, the norm of Christian music, um, bands like MXPX and my old band, the Supertones, or, you know, Stave's Acre, Living Sacrifice, all these bands. Um, so I, I never really dove into like the really contemporary Christian conservative kind of stuff, but I saw a lot of it at festivals we would play and stuff like that. And, uh, that it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I just never really understood it fully. I, um, we always, we always had this joke when there was like the, the worship band playing at the festival that, you know, the guy would be giving his talk or whatever. And then all of a sudden the guy in the background start playing his guitar. And we always called that the guitar to make people in the crowd feel that guilty that they're sinners or something, you know, but Hey, you know, we're all sinners. So, I don't know. Uh, I could. I guess I can go on and on about that. Uh, shoot, maybe I'll make an episode about that on my Pirate Satellite podcast. But that's a great question. You know, I mean, my thoughts are always kind of changing on that. But um, I don't think I would have pursued anything differently, though. Um, I was just a kid that wanted to be in a band and wanted to tour. And it just so happened to be that I grew up in a church, and that's how I met the majority of my musician friends. And that ultimately led me to being in punk rock bands in that world and ska bands and stuff like that, metal bands, you know, like Demon Hunter and stuff. So uh, I don't regret a day of it. Um, but like I said before, there's a lot of things in that world that I think are just kind of bullshit. And um, I wish that a lot of people were more honest in that world. Uh, I've probably been screwed over more as a musician by the people in the Christian music industry, unfortunately, and I've been treated better outside of it. Um, but I mean, whatever I'd go, I'd go back into it. I'm not afraid of it or anything like that. Uh, it would all just depend on who the artist was. And, uh, if we you know, saw eye to eye on things and stuff like that, I hope that makes sense. And wasn't too much rambling, Dan, but Dan Stewart, thank you for your question. That's a really good one. And again, that's, that's some content right there that a, a whole episode could be made on. Uh, and Paul Moak would have some good insight into that as well. Um, and let me reiterate one more time. There is a lot of amazing people in that, in that industry. I, I really hope no one thinks I'm just trash talking it. A uh, lot of good people. Um, there's just a lot of other people in the industry I, that I, again, like I said, I wish were just more honest. And, uh, cause I, I think, you know, as far as Jesus is concerned, um, we're, we're all flawed human beings. And I think that, some people aren't honest about that. And I think that's, that's very dangerous, um, to, to kind of hide maybe who you really are, who, how you really feel or, uh, views you have or whatever. It's good to get that stuff out in the open and, and, and be who you are and who you have, according to people who believe like I do, who you've been created to be. So I hope that helps Dan. Anyways, that was a long one. I'm sorry. Um, Next one that we're going to get to a tune. Uh, and speaking of uh, my old bands, um, this is from Ian Karetsman. He says, of all the projects you've been a part of, like Demon Hunter or Reliant K, if one of them called you up, who would you rejoin? No questions asked. Um, I mean, most of them, honestly. I, you know, there's ups and downs in every band and uh, or artist you play with. Um, you have a great time. You get screwed over. 
the whole spectrum. It you know some days are great, some days are not great. Um, but most of it is great enough to where you keep doing it and you keep going. Like I'm still doing it. I mean, I started touring when I was 18 years old, and I just recently turned 42, so I have no intentions of stopping. I am enjoying the, the home time though during this pandemic. I will say that. <laughs> It's a bummer not having my normal job, but it is nice to be home a lot, uh, way more than I've ever been home. I've never been home this long in my whole touring career. Um, but as far as all the bands I've played with rejoining or, uh, yeah, no questions asked. I mean, honestly, any of them, but, but really I think I'd say demon hunter only because I really miss playing metal live. The energy of being in a metal band is like nothing else. Um, plus, you know, I had a much better figure because I sweat a lot at metal shows. <laughs> um, but honestly, like I, I didn't want to leave Demon Hunter. Um, I've talked about this on other podcast episodes uh, that I've been a guest on, but it just worked out that, um, at the time I was, I was, uh, you know, I joined Reliant K as a drummer and it was full time and Demon Hunter was part time. And there was a point where it, it was just too much conflict, uh, as far as schedules went and shows and I couldn't, I had to, you know, bail on some demon hunter stuff and it really bummed me out. And it was the smarter move for me to move on with Relent cakes. It was a full-time job. Um, but I just missed, you know, demon hunter and those dudes. I love, I still am in touch with all those dudes and there's some good friends and, um, but yeah, I miss it a lot. And I, and I really, uh, I would do it in a heartbeat if they asked me to, to, at least even if they asked me to come play a show with them or something, I would do it so fast only because I didn't want to have to quit. And I had to, you know, the last tour I did with them, I had, I had to leave in the middle of it to start warp tour with Reliant K. So I didn't even get to finish the last tour I was on. But, uh, so yeah, to answer your question, I'd say, I would say demon hunter. That's my, that's, that's where my, uh, my gut is telling me right now. So with that, I thought it'd be fun to play a demon hunter song. I've probably played one of these in the past, but, uh, and maybe I played this one. I don't know. I, we have too many episodes for me to research this and don't tell me, I don't care, but, um, I'm going to play a demon or song off of the last record I did with them called storm. The gates of hell. It's a song called 16 and it features, uh, vocals on the pre-chorus by Bruce Fitzhugh. Who's a good friend of mine, uh, who sings for living sacrifice and plays guitar, badass guitar player, badass singer, front man, amazing human being. And uh, we were so stuck to have him on this track. But this is a, uh, one of my favorite tracks of this record. Very proud of it. I, I did all the guitars on this song. And um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. This is Demon Hunter with 16.
I mean, we were good. No big deal. <laughs> I really love that record. If you guys haven't heard it, um, 
this you know shameless self promotion here. Go listen to listen to all of Demon Hunter's records. They've made like six records or seven records since I left the band, and they're all fantastic. Ryan is such a great songwriter, and I really have always looked up to him as a writer. Everyone, great musicians in the band. Um, yeah, go listen to them more. They're fun. Uh, next question is from Trisha on Instagram. She says, "What do you think of the Helping Hand show? Give us a quick breakdown of your opinion on the set list." Well. Spoiler alert, I didn't get to see the whole show because that it happened uh, while I was on vacation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, Clint had like a Zoom hanging out with people and they were talking about it and having a good time. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to uh, to watch it. I was super bummed. I did see some clips. The set list look, looked awesome. Um, I, I got to say the highlight for me of what I've seen is Wasting My Hate. Uh, pretty crazy that they pulled that one out. I, that's a song I never thought that I would ever uh, see them play live. So I would love to see the whole thing. Now that I'm back in town and settling back down into normal life, I'll go check it out. Uh, next question is from Linda Thomas, a good friend from overseas. She says, what series or movie are you watch- currently watching? Um, movies, I I don't watch as many movies as I do like series uh, shows, uh, Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Um Currently, I'm in the middle of watching Mandalorian season two, and I think that is one of the best Star Wars things to come out in a long time. I'm not like a crazy Star Wars nerd where I analyze every scene, and you know, some people don't like the uh, like the um, the side movies like Solo and, and Rogue One and stuff. I, I mean, I, I think all of them are great. I think they're super fun. I think all of them are better than episodes one, two, and three. Those were garbage. Um, sorry if you like those episodes, but Jar Jar Binks is the worst character in the Star Wars universe. But uh, Mandalorian is fantastic. John Favreau, if you know who he is, he did Elf. Um, I first discovered him back when he was in the movie Swingers and Made. Um, he's got a fantastic movie that he's in. Um, called what is it called? Food Truck, I think. Um, it's awesome. It's a great movie. But he's such a good writer, and he from what I gather is a pretty big nerd about star Wars. So uh, as a fan, I felt pretty good about him taking on that show and he has a bunch of different directors for each episode. It's, it's, it's such a great series on Disney plus and shout out to uh, our good friend, Angela Gonzalez for hooking me up with his Disney plus password. Don't tell anybody. That's literally the only thing I wanted to, I wanted Disney plus for was just that one show. And he was like, Hey man, I got an extra profile. Uh, you can use so thanks to him for letting me use his account just to watch that one show that's all i watch on there but uh that's that's currently what i'm in the middle of and i'm 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 really digging it um i do a lot of just watching documentaries and lately you know because the world is just kind of dark and and uncertain with certain things and um i've been trying to watch like re-watch shows that just make me laugh like modern family and i think there's a modern family question coming up here later um, I've been rewatching the, the whole Modern Family series because I think it's freaking hilarious. I've probably watched the whole series like six times because it's an easy watch. All of the episodes are funny, and they're especially good to, to watch when I'm on, when I'm traveling, like on flights and stuff. They're just easy, just one after another, and then before I know it, I'm landing somewhere. So yeah, um, that's currently what I'm watching. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff. There's a um, great series. Uh, uh, like a um what do you call it docuseries whatever on netflix if you're into hip-hop rap music and stuff it's about the whole history of hip-hop it's called hip-hop evolution i think there's three seasons out now and it's it's awesome it's so good 
just from the origins of it. And I, it seems like they're going to keep doing seasons to, until where it gets to like present day and stuff. But man, fantastic uh, series if you're into hip hop. You just you're into music at all. Just the music history part of it is, is great. So yeah, that's about that. Um, let's see. Clark Wayne wants to know. Clark is a good buddy. He lives here in Nashville. Always supportive of my music and when I play live shows and been to the uh, anniversary parties and stuff like that. Which, by the way, we've been mildly discussing what are we going to do for our anniversary party uh, in January. And the answer is basically nothing in person. Uh, I'm pretty sure the uh, powers that be in Nashville would be pretty bummed out if we had like 100 people packed into the Cobra like we have the last two years. But... We'll we'll try to do something virtual, you know, whether maybe we can get a big Zoom thing going. I don't know. Me and Clint got to talk about that, but we'll make something happen. Anyways, Clark Wayne wants to know, I want to know why, uh, what you were so excited about this photo. And he's talking about the photo I posted to ask you guys to ask me questions. Uh, it's a photo of me actually in Omaha, Nebraska, um, when I was on tour with Need to Breathe. And it just started snowing. So that's what I was excited about. I love the snow. There's a chance of snow here uh, like early tomorrow morning, but it's not going to stick. That's how Nashville works. We, we, we rarely get that much snow. But um, Nebraska gets a lot more. And it was supposed to snow like 10 inches that day. And it was like my like th- second or third show on tour with Need to Breathe. And Jesse, the tour photographer, his name is Jesse DeFlorio. Awesome dude. Um, mostly does a lot of, of road photography. Look him up and his photographs are amazing. Um, super nice dude too. Anyways, uh, he wanted to take some shots of need to breathe. The, the main dudes, not me, of course, uh, outside with the snow falling. So I just walked out with him cause he was going to go get some test shots and he had me, he's like, Hey, can you stand over there and just look cool or do something? <laughs> so that's one of them where I was just acting super excited cause it was snowing. Uh, so there you go, Clark. Oh, here's a familiar face, or at least a name. Mr. Wes Fisk, as you've heard on one of our episodes, he says, who is your favorite Metallica roadie? Man, Wes, that's a tough one. I mean, gosh, there's Matt Thomas. You know, um, Big Mick would be a good one. Um, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say Wes Fisk. If I had to pick one person... It'd be Wes Fisk, you know, but you know, I'm a little biased. We have toured together for a long time and he's a cutie pie. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Wes. I miss you. I hope we can get back on tour together again one of these days. Uh, anyways, last question of the old Instagram questions is from Jay Middleton. He says, what was your best record store find? Wow. I, so I don't often pre-read a lot of these or I'll skim them. This one I actually had to do a little research and go into my discogs and just scroll through because I'm like pushing 800 records in my collection. And so uh, it was tough for me off the top of my head to think about what was the best record store find. Uh, A few things came to mind. Um, One was uh, a band called Super Drag, which I know me and Clint have talked about, Super Drag and John Davis, the singer and songwriter. I found one of their records that they that they are just now reissuing. The pre-order happened called In the Valley of Dying Stars. And back before I was friends with John, I uh, was at a record store called Vintage Vinyl in St. Louis, Missouri, on tour. Like, I don't know if it was before a show. I had a day off or something. But like, you know, like I still do to this day, you know, I got a day off or some time to kill and I go to a record store. And I, and I had a list of bands that were hard to find. And I, every time I go into one, I would just go to that you know, letter of the alphabet and skim through. 
And I kind of forgot I was looking for that super drag record and I was just skimming through the S's and all of a sudden it popped out and it was like six bucks or something. This is like in probably 2002 or something, three. And so I found In the Valley Dine Stars. Uh, so that that was one of the big ones for me. But I think one of the biggest ones, uh, it wasn't necessarily a, a good record store, f- or it was a good record store find. It wasn't one of those mind-blowing ones when I first found it, but over time, getting to love this band and realizing now how hard this record is to find for cheap, uh, it has since become a great record store find, and that is a, a Swedish band called The Helicopters, who I've probably mentioned on this show before. Um, just a fantastic rock and roll band, just straight rock and roll. If you haven't checked them out, they're so awesome. Um, the record I found was a, a record called By the Grace of God that came out in 2002, and I was in, in Scandinavia. I think I was either in Sweden or Norway when I found it. And the only reason I bought it was because the album cover is just so cool. It's just a white cover, at least my version. There's a black cover, I think, but mine's white. It's it's a a simple graphic of a cloud with a lightning bolt coming out of it. And I thought it looked super cool, and it was, you know, only like $10, you know, in Sweden. Uh, I went to the counter, and I asked the the guy at the front. I said, hey, this is a rad cover. Who is this band? And he was like, oh, these these guys are really popular in Scandinavia. Like they're a Swedish band. I think you like this record, great rock and roll record. So I bought it and, and I've loved that record ever since. So that brings me to the next song I'm going to play. And I'm going to play a song from that record called down on free street. Again, this band is so cool. They've got a few records out, check them out called the helicopters. Again, this is down on free street from by the grace of God from 2002. Down on free street, Turn 
All right, that was down in Free Street by the Helicopters. Again, kick-ass song, kick-ass band, great guitar tones, great musicianship, great songwriting. Uh, I can't say enough good things about that band. Uh, if you if you like what you heard, go check them out. If you're from Sweden or Scandinavia, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, moving on, that is all the Instagram questions. We're going to move on to Facebook. And we only got one from Facebook. Um, I, although Clark Wayne, who asked why I was so happy in that photo, he commented on both platforms. But other than that, we got one. And the first Facebook question is from Pablo Komen. Uh, Pablo says, thank you for the podcast and all the work you guys do. You're welcome. Uh, as you've been in bands and as a session player, what would uh, you've done if you were in Jason's shoes when he joined Metallica? The early hazing and then the echo brain crisis. I don't know if that's something that usually happens in bands. Greetings from Argentina, New Jersey. We all love Argentina and New Jersey. It's a great city in New Jersey. Um, if I was in Jason's shoes, um, I mean, you got hired in, in your favorite band. So I would imagine most people are going to put up with the hazing as much as it sucks. I would imagine in Jason's mind, as annoying as all that probably was, the second he got on stage and felt that energy from the crowd and got that, uh, I don't know if you call it like a stage high, a music high, because there really is like this uh, almost out-of-body experience when you're on stage and, and everything is just running smoothly and the band's tight and the crowd is loud and singing back. There's nothing in the world like it. It really is like a drug. Um, so I can imagine, as I would do, I'm in, I'm in, I just joined my favorite band and I'm on stage playing in front of a ton of people and nothing can ch- compare to that feeling. Uh, then you get off stage and they start messing with you again. And I understand that's frustrating and stuff like that. But, um, or the echo brain thing, I, I, I can definitely understand his frustration with that. I mean, let's be honest in, in retrospect, it, echo brain wasn't a big deal. That wasn't going to take the mighty Metallica down. <laughs> um, it's all it seems a little silly in here in 2020 when looking back on that. Um, if you haven't heard of Echo Brain, Echo Brain episode, I think you should check it out because Clint and I became fans. We always kind of wrote it off all, after all these years, but man, it's a really good record. Um, but yeah, you mentioned, you know, not sure if that was something that usually happens in bands. That happens in bands all the time, you know. I mean, a new guy joins the band, uh, all the fans are confused. They want the old guy back. The guy's in the band, depending on how the last guy left, might want the guy back. I don't know. It, it depends on the band. Um, side projects like Echo Brain can be an issue in some bands. It all just depends on how your band is structured. If if that's kind of something going in that everybody's like, hey, this is our priority. Like no side projects, no distractions, essentially. Um, fortunately for me, most of the bands I've been in, when we work on something on the side, nobody cares. It's just whatever. Um, and if it was me, you know, being the leader of a band or being like the James Hetfield or Lars Ulrich of a band and somebody wanted to do something, I'd be cool with that. I'd be like, cool, man. Like I'll support anybody wanting to do more music and be more creative and put more art out into the world. Uh, the only time it'd be any kind of, uh, of a conflicting situation is if it truly was distracting that person from your main job at hand. Uh, but then at that point you talk and you just sort it out and you like, you know, everyone rearranges kind of how they're doing their side things and hopefully everyone's happy. But we know the story of most bands, and it never usually ends like that. But thanks for the question, Pablo. That's awesome. Uh, so this next question was actually in the Instagram section, but I wanted to save it for this only because I want to play another song. 
Uh, Namarda asks, any new artists you recently discovered? The answer is yes. And I put this down here so I could play a song from this band that I've recently discovered or really was shown to me. Um, and I just am obsessed with them now and they're so freaking good. Uh, they're called all them witches. And, uh, some of you may have heard them, maybe not, but they're a band from here in Nashville. They have like five records out. I've never heard of them before. Uh, for all I know, one of them lives on my street. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they're called All Them Witches, and they have a new record out this year called Nothing As no, Nothing As the Ideal. Um, I first heard this band just maybe like two or three months ago. Um, Joe from Hailstorm, my wife and I were hanging out with him and Lizzie out in their backyard, uh, you know, like a socially distant little gathering. And uh, like any time I hang out with them, we end up chilling on their back porch and. Joe's got his record player and he's got some speakers outside and we play some records and just have a good time. Well, Joe was playing this record about all them witches and he's like, have you heard this? I was like, no, but I love it instantly. And, uh, we listened to the whole record like twice that night and I just was super into it. Then fast forward a few weeks and, uh, we had a little outdoor hang for my birthday. Joe and Lizzie came by and they were sweet enough to get me a copy of this on vinyl. So I was ecstatic and I've been listening to it and spinning it like crazy. So, Namardo, to answer your question, yes. I know they're not like a new band. Um, they've been around since like 2012, I believe, maybe a little earlier. But they're a Nashville band. They're local boys, and uh, they kick ass. It's it's everything from kind of stoner rock to groovy stuff to, to acoustic to heavy. I think if you, like, uh, if you like metal and you like also like mellow stuff or like uh bocasa is a good example i think bocasa and all them witches would would have a, a great tour together if you like that stuff then i think you're gonna dig all them witches i'm gonna play a song called enemy of the enemy that uh i believe is the second track on the record and it is awesome um i think it's a good reputation uh, representation of uh the heavier side of them but very melodic still this song actually reminds me of something clint would write for lunar satan so uh which by the way Give it up for Clint, by the way. Single clap here. Clint went well above and is still going uh, uh, over his Kickstarter goal. Now everyone that uh, got the vinyl is getting like the translucent blood red vinyl. Uh, congrats to Clint. Uh, we've been texting a bunch throughout the whole process. I helped him out a lot because I had done a Kickstarter for my record. And uh, yeah, it's super exciting to see Lunar Satan uh, come to life. Um, in the form of vinyl and cassette. I can't wait to get my hands on both of those. So anyways, enough of that Lunar Satan band. This is All Them Witches with Enemy of the Enemy from Nothing As The Ideal from this year, 2020.
I told you they were awesome. That's all them witches. I mean, come on. That band's awesome. And that record just goes all over the map stylistically. I mean, the first track on side B of the vinyl is this really mellow, acoustic, minor kind of sounding song. Just go check it out on Spotify or pick up the record online. Uh, just get it. It's really good. I can't say enough uh, good stuff about them. I think they're actually playing an online, like a uh, virtual live streaming show. I want to say December 19th. Look them up on their socials. They've been posting about it. Check out All Them Witches for real. That new record, uh, Nothing As The Ideal, is awesome. Anyways, moving on, we've got a few more questions over from Twitter. Then I'm going to close this out with another tune. Uh, first one on Twitter is from Gerald Fawn. He says, have you kicked around the idea of doing a follow-up to Let It Burn? Listen, I think I said Gerald. <laughs> I just realized that as I was about to say Gerald. I like Gerald better. It's a, it's a little more sophisticated. Hello, my name is Gerald. I'm looking for the Brie plate. Anyways, um, I kick around the idea of a follow-up to Let It Burn about every day since I put out Let It Burn. Um, there's a thing a lot of us writers go through called writer's block. And I have, I've got probably five or six musical ideas for more songs for a solo record. Uh, I'm really slow with um, lyrics. Melodies I can do all day long. Music I can do all day long. But uh, lyrics, I'm just, I'm, I'm very slow at it. Someone like Clint who, who writes songs for a living, who does this every single day is much faster than me. That dude has written a ton of songs. I wish I could write that fast, but it's like a muscle. You got to practice and practice and get better and better at it. Um, I guess I'm telling myself to practice writing lyrics more, but uh, I, I will be doing a follow up to that record for sure. I'm I'm never going to not make records. Um, it might be a little longer between records, uh, and and on top of that, you know, you know, I, I'm a busy guy as far as other music projects go. You know, whether it's like occasionally writing for other people or doing session work. Um, lately I have a neighbor that works, uh, used to work for HGTV, uh, who now is working for another company who needed a bunch of music for like, uh, promotional videos, video content for online stuff. And she needed like just background music for stuff. So I spent like a whole week working on that kind of stuff. So I'm always doing little music projects here and there, stuff for the podcast, whatnot. Um, so to answer your question, yes, I, I will be doing, I do kick around the idea every day. And I will be doing a follow-up to it. I just don't know when that's going to be. Um, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, one thing I definitely thought when you know the pandemic started and lockdowns happened or quarantine, all that stuff, my first thought was like, oh man, I'm going to write a bunch of new songs and, and have a new record out by the end of the year. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. <laughs> and it wasn't like I was avoiding it or anything or not trying. I, like I said, I'm just... I'm very slow with like, you know, with, with lyrics and that takes me a long time to, to write. And, uh, like I, in a question to answer before, you know, I don't write songs that are, are meaningless that are about nothing. Uh, so it's a lot of introspective kind of writing for me. Uh, I got to kind of dig deep to get lyrics out and, uh, depending on what the subject matter is that I'm writing about. So it will happen. Uh, I, I promise you that. Um, it just, you know, I would really like to have a new, another solo record out uh, sometime next year. I'll say that. I, I just need to really like set a goal for myself, like a date, uh, and that'll kind of help kick myself in the butt, I think. So, Gerald, thank you so much for the question. Uh, Ralph Savetto 
good friend of the show, says, I know touring isn't a thing right now, but uh, do you have any gigs on the horizon? Uh, he's talking about spring and summer of 2021. Um, I'd love to catch you guys on the road one day. Also, he says, uh, let me get to the first part of his question, actually. Um, yes and no. Um, uh, I recently went back to working for Kings of Leon before all this happened. Uh, it has been you know, mentioned like, hey, maybe something will happen next summer. But honestly, everything's up in the air. You know, I can't say yes or no to anything right now if anything's happening. Um, I could see maybe me playing or working for a smaller artist if like that level of touring opens back up, like in clubs and theaters, before arenas and stuff like that. So, hey, look, I'd love to catch myself on the road again one day. <laughs> so... We'll try to make it happen. I'll, hey, listen, I'm doing whatever I can. I'm trying to do my part here and stay safe, and I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm ready to get back on the road when the time is right. Uh, so Ralph also asks, also besides, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> pardon me. Sorry, it's, the weather is changing drastically here, so I'm really kind of stuffed up. It's not COVID, I promise. He says, also besides uh, the Clash of Metallica being your number one and two, what are some other bands that round out your top ten? Okay. This isn't necessarily something I, I pre-read and uh, maybe I should have and actually solidified uh, eight other artists, but I can spitball here. Come on. No big deal. Uh, here's a couple others off the top of my head that I absolutely love. Elvis Costello, uh, Bruce Springsteen, Tom freaking Petty, um, The Cardigans are a top band for me, uh, The Ramones, uh, the Living End, which I believe is in another question coming up here soon. Um, let's see. Who else do I absolutely love? Bob Marley, of course. He's probably in my top five easily. Uh, let's see. One more to round out a top ten. Who would I pick? Hmm. Man. I really should have pre-read this one, but this is kind of fun just to, to spitball it here. I'm going to go with... You know, I'm gonna go with the Beatles. I know that's kind of a safe answer, but I mean, I don't know. I just don't really understand when people don't like the Beatles. It's just weird. I just talked to a friend today, uh, and we were talking about a mutual friend who does not, who actively does not like the Beatles, and I just think that's crazy. Anyway, so yeah, thanks, Ralph, for the question. Uh, those are my. That's kind of a loose top ten, but yeah, I mean, the, the Clash and Metallica are, are are pretty much my one and two, and that fluctuates. Let's just say they're both number one. Um, Oh, Sabbath Bloody Podcast wants to ask a question. Great podcast, by the way. Go check them out. Uh, Says, hey, Ethan, what are some childhood comfort albums pre when you came online and started picking your own jams? You know, stuff you recall from the radio slash family's collections. He says, for me, it's Paul Simon's Graceland album and Annie Annie Lennox's Walking on Broken Glass. He says, both send me back. (coughs) Well, speaking of Paul Simon... um, you know the tune, if you'll be my bodyguard, I will be your long lost pal. So that song, if you have watched the video for it, uh, Chevy Chase is in the video. When I was a kid in Long Beach, California, my dad had his record collection out and MTV was pretty, you know, somewhat new and we had MTV and I love that video because I love Chevy Chase, movies he was in and stuff like that. I didn't know who Paul Simon was, but I would ask my dad to put on the Chevy Chase song. And he go to he had the record on vinyl and he would go 
pull it out, put it on his record player, and I, I just got the biggest kick out of it when I was a kid that we were listening to the Chevy Chase song. <laughs> but some other artists that, uh, I mean, I have to re- you know refer to my dad because, I mean, he was, my dad was the first person in my life to introduce me to, to, to music and to artists. And before I was, you know, as you said, coming online with, with picking my own jams. Uh, Led Zeppelin would be one of them for sure. Steely Dan, um, an, a guitar player named Larry Carlton, who does a lot of solo stuff, who also played on Steely Dan records, played in a band called the Crusaders, stuff like that. The who, um, James Taylor, my, you know, my dad, uh, has a great taste in music. Um, pretty eclectic. He never got into metal and stuff like that. He left that for me, <laughs> but he appreciates it for sure, but it's not his thing. But yeah. Um, yeah. All those artists, I mean, all that stuff, uh, I have very fond memories of, of being a kid before I even bought my own, you know, CD or cassette back then. It would be a cassette, you know, back in the eighties. Um, yeah. I mean, th- those, those are the, the ones off the top of my head. Um, other stuff I remember here on the radio, you know, I, I remember, my first introduction to anything quote unquote quote excuse me wow quote unquote uh like metal even though it's not really considered metal by actual metal heads uh, a lot of the glam rock stuff that got huge in the 80s i remember hearing that on the radio like poison and cinderella and bon jovi and stuff like that i started to get into that stuff but um i do remember uh another band that i didn't really seek out on my own, but I remember seeing like the video on MTV uh, was Guns N' Roses, and I saw the video for Welcome to the Jungle, and I was kind of scared of it, you know, because I was so young and it, it just looked scary, you know. <laughs> like, um, and I remember I had a friend at school that loaned me the cassette, and uh, I hid it from my parents, and I listened to that thing like crazy. So that's some good fond memories. All right, just a few more here. Uh, uh, Jim uh, Sedoya. He asks, uh, "How was being a multi instrumentalist uh, help your creativity? Did it make you a better? Uh, did it make you better in a particular instrument? Which instrument are you most comfortable with?" Um, it definitely helps with creativity. I can tell you that. Um, guitar is my first instrument. That's what I first started learning on when I was eleven years old. And uh, over the years of learning bass and drums and lap steel and different percussion instruments and stuff like that, it definitely helps with creativity because there's times where I might be trying to write a song on guitar. And I just feel kind of stuck. And so what I'll do is I'll pick up a bass and just try to write a bass line. It doesn't have to be for anything in particular, just like a cool sounding bass line. Uh, especially with with the reggae type stuff I've been doing, the bass is such a cool, prominent instrument in the rhythm section. And some of my favorite bass lines of all time are in reggae songs, especially when like The Clash would do like reggae stuff, like Guns of Brixton or something or Armageddon Time. Those bass lines are just so cool. They're very repetitive, but um, that oftentimes will help me to come up with a cool idea for a song. Or sometimes I'll just sit on my drum kit in HQ1 here and I'll just start playing some beats and try to think of something cool and creative that makes me kind of feel good. Like, oh, that's a that's a cool beat. I could write some over that. So yeah, to answer your question, I mean, playing you know multiple instruments has definitely helped creativity. It sparks stuff, uh, and, and that and that happens often. You know, if I'm ever feeling stuck, I mean, I'll just switch instruments and. And I'm not a great keyboard player, but sometimes I'll just go over, to, go over to the keyboard that I have here and just start playing some chords. And just having a different touch, a different feel, a different sound can definitely spark ideas. That is definitely a, a real thing. So, um, And let's see. Uh, what else to say? Which instrument are you most comfortable with? Um, not keyboards. I can play keyboards, but not, not a, I'm not like a Paul Moak or anything. Paul. Um, hmm. 
I mean, I'm probably most comfortable on guitar because I've been playing that the longest. Um, but I feel the same on bass and drums, I guess. I don't know. But I'll just say guitar because, I mean, that's been with me since I was pretty much a child. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Jim, for the question. Next question is from Slash. Now, I'm just going to assume this is from Slash from Guns N' Roses. If Slash followed the podcast and wanted to ask me a question, this is what Slash wants to know. Who's your favorite character on Modern Family and who is least? Whom do you like better, by the way, Andy or Dylan, for Haley's sake? Now, if you watch the show, you know what all that means. If you don't, I'm sorry. My favorite character on Modern Family has been and always will be Phil. Phil Dunphy, the dad. Um, I just think he's hilarious. And he, even if there's an episode that's not great, he still makes me laugh every single time. His delivery, the kind of airheadedness of him, um, that he's kind of a nerd with, you know, he talks about how he used to be a cheerleader and he's into like robotics and video games and you know, he's just a geek. And I, I just, I, I love that actor, Ty Burrell, who plays him as well. Uh, close second is Cam from Modern Family. How can you not like Eric Stone Street? He's such an animated person in general. Um, and him doing that role of Cam is just amazing. <laughs> he's so good. Uh, my least favorite character on the show. Um, I feel kind of bad because I like almost everybody, but um, probably Luke Dunphy, the son. I think the older he got as a human being in real life, um, the less funny he got on the show. When he was a kid, he was a lot more funny, and but maybe that had to do with his age and just being kind of this, uh, you know, cute little kid. And I don't know. Um, I just don't find him as funny on the show uh, in the later seasons. And then who would I like better for uh, Haley, Andy, or Dylan? Well, if you watch the show, you know she ends up with Dylan in the, in the long run. Spoiler alert, sorry. Um, but I like uh, Andy. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but I think he was also in, um, not Parks and Rec. Maybe he was in that show too. There's another show I can't, I can't think off the top of my head that he was in. But um, I, I just thought the guy that played Andy was really funny on that show. Um, just kind of this somewhat nerdy not cool guy and, and Haley is like the cool girl on the show you know the like the, the the she's like the hot one quote unquote and um but yeah I, I just love that show I mean ever since that came on I, I got hooked on it the reason I really got hooked on that show is because the format of it kind of that fake documentary thing when there's interviews and, and they break the fourth wall and look at the camera I'm such a fan of that style because of Christopher Guest movies like Spinal Tap and Best in Show Waiting for Guffman Mighty Wind um, and that was kind of what they did with that. Same thing with like Arrested Development, um, where it looks like it's a documentary in a way. Uh, I just, I love that format. And in my opinion, Christopher Guest was the originator and the king of that. So anyway, Slash from Guns N' Roses. Thank you for that question. I love that you're a Modern Family fan. Maybe next time you're through Nashville, we can watch some episodes together. All right. Uh, last question is from Andrew Sykes. He says, hi, Ethan. How are you? I'm fine. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, a little stuffy from the weather but thank you for asking uh i know you like some australian bands such as the living end of course one of my favorite bands of all time and a little band called acdc uh they're by the way an up-and-coming australian band you guys can check them out actually side note their new record power up is so freaking good it sounds like early 80s acdc it's amazing and it's incredible that those dudes are like late 60s early 70s and still playing like that and brian johnson I believe he's 72 years old now. He recorded that record when he was 70 and just sounds amazing. 
and I'm so stoked that he got his hearing issues worked out too. Uh, but Andrew says, but did you get into a band called Powderfinger? Um, I never really got into them, but I have heard them. They're a really cool band. Definitely a band I should probably be checking out more. Uh, he said they just released an album of previously unreleased songs, and it's pretty good. Sounds like maybe like a B-Sides collection or something. I mean, other Australian bands I love, uh, Midnight Oil, The Vines, Silver Chair, In Excess, Men at Work, Wolf Mother, Jet. I got to say, one of my favorite bands, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually close out the show with a song by this band. Um, never really popular in the U.S., as far as I know. Um, but in the early 2000s, a uh, bandmate uh, of mine found this record, and it was a collection of a lot of their songs put out by Sub Pop Records. It's a band called Radio Birdman, and they were kind of a pre-punk band. Like a lot of their cool stuff came out in like 74. You know, a lot of people know that like punk broke like in 77. But the Ramones were around in 76 and the Clash were getting started and you had the Stooges in the late 60s, you know, but like punk really broke in the late 70s. But Radio Birdman was kind of pre-punk and they were doing stuff that that I'm sure the Ramones were influenced by uh, and the Clash and stuff like that and all sorts of, you know, Sex Pistols and stuff like that, a lot of 70s punk rock bands. But this band is super cool. Um, the production's cool. Uh, yeah, check them out you know, on Spotify or whatever. Radio Birdman, they're awesome. The Essential Collection uh, from Sub Pop Records is what I have it on vinyl. It's a really cool collection. It's like 22 songs. And uh, yeah, I'm going to close out with uh, Murder City Nights by Radio Birdman. I hope you dig it. Thank you all for the questions on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It means a lot. It's fun just to kind of ramble on. I'm not editing a single word out of this when I stutter when i pause too long when i cough <clears throat> like that clear my throat whatever these uh these episodes are fun i need to do, i need to do more like this uh just kind of it's fun to do off the cuff stuff answer some questions and uh yeah it helps me to kind of stay connected with you guys and uh you know do a little thinking about stuff maybe i haven't really thought about in a while you know like records that i was uh listening to when i was a kid things like that it's super fun, but uh, I hope you guys are well. Stay safe, stay, uh, stay healthy, and I hope we can uh, get back to normal one of these days because we all want to go back on the road. We all want to go see live shows. Uh, Clint and I are extremely grateful for uh, your guys' support. I mean, we're we're about to hit four years as a podcast, which is incredible, and we, you don't know how long this thing will go. Maybe five years, maybe six years, seven. Who knows? Time will tell, but uh, we're grateful to be uh, in your life and thankful that you're in ours, and uh I think that's all I got. Hope you guys are well, and uh, we'll see you next week. Me and Clint will be back together. Maybe not in person. Maybe probably virtually, because that's what we've been doing. Nonetheless, we'll be back together next week, and I'm looking forward to it. I miss Clint. I miss our banter. I miss our chemistry. I miss our musk. Mm, and I miss his hiney. Gotta be honest. And I don't know about you, but I think it's time to get old Paul Moak back in the mix, too. If we could have him every week, we would. But anyways... I love you guys. Y'all are great. Tell you what. And uh, that's about it. Enjoy Radio Birdman, Murder City Nights.
everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover Our World Black and EP. Ticket giveaways for shows like SNM2 and Slaying Castle. Box sets, rare vinyl, Metallica memorabilia like SNM2 guitar picks. Email priority, meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like Hailstorm, Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, and Metallica Row Crew your very own questions. And the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our Metal Tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. Thank you.